My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? I'd rather denote a lack of courage. You've just entered the cool friend hour. <laughs> everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host, Morgan Feza, and today we have an awesome guest. We have Brad Cooney in the house. Brad, want to say hello? What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> yeah, we're so happy to have you. Um, so for those of you that are not familiar with Brad, Brad um, made his, I want to say his big debut on the house in between one and two. Um, the house between one was uh, aired during the pandemic. It was 2020. And the house in between two actually just hit their one year anniversary, correct? That is correct. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to kind of pass the torch over to you, let you introduce yourself, and we'll kind of just dive into your journey. Okay. So I'm as you said, Brad Cooney, I am uh, correct. I'm in both films, The House in Between 1 and 2, as one of the main investigators. And I uh, was blessed to work with Steve Gonzalez from Ghost Hunters and Kendall Welpton, two brilliant filmmakers. And of course, his wife, Vera, did a lot of uh, producing and directing in the part two. Well, not she didn't direct in part two, but she, she produced and edited part two and did a great job and, and was producing in part one. And of course, my journey, I mean, do you want me to start like how I journeyed into the paranormal field? Because I have a, you know, I'm in my 50s now, so my book's kind of thick. I mean, I can, I mean, how, how deep do you want to get with this stuff? Oh, I want to get deep. I want to know it all. I want to know, you know, deep. early life, you know, what did you originally start at? Was this something that you always wanted to do? Or was this something that you had an original, I feel like everybody has an original plan and we never follow it. So was this something yeah. that you knew from the jump that like, I want to do this or was this, <laughs> no. you had a totally different plan and then it just kind yeah. of. Yeah, I absolutely had no freaking idea. I would end up in paranormal films and, and <laughs> investigating haunted locations. I've always been fascinated with paranormal and always been fascinated with UFOs and, um, and Bigfoot and, and just kind of, you know, things that are a little bit weird um because i was kind of a nerdy weirdo anyway you know I was into oh we love weird we welcome yeah, yeah. weird. <laughs> I, mean, I used to really enjoy looking at planets and stuff with a telescope in my backyard and and my my junior high school had a planetarium and so we actually took astronomy class so oh, cool. so that was pretty cool in my younger days and then then when i went into the navy I, I actually had a couple uap experiences um and saw some strange things flying the skies over over the atlantic ocean um, and I also, in the Navy, one of my jobs was to operate the air radar and surface radar, and I tracked UAPs. Um, that's John Boulder blowing my phone up, by the way. My house <laughs> You have to tell him that I said hi. I'm going to hit him back right now. <laughs> I'm literally in the interview. <laughs> um so the Navy was really interesting because I saw some UAPs and tracked some UAPs on the air radar of like things going like two, 3,000 miles an hour. And like, I didn't know what the heck that was. Um, so wow. these UAPs, that's another, we could probably do another po a podcast on that. 
Absolutely. Listen, well, you're always welcome here. So as many times as you want to come on, we'll have you. Yeah. Um, so getting back to your, your question. So um, always been fascinated with, with paranormal stuff as far as Bigfoot, UFOs. Was not really like really, really into like paranormal stuff as far as ghosts and spirits and things. Um was never a skeptic. I mean, I, I was I always thought it was possible, you know what I mean? But I never like a lot of other people that are in this field, I never had any experiences with ghosts and stuff when I was growing up or anything like that. Really, how I got into actually um investigating paranormal um activity in alleged haunted houses was by accident. Um, you saw the first film, it explains that. I mean, I was just on my laptop one day and um, my TV was on in the background and I heard a local news segment talking about this haunted location in Florence, Mississippi. Well, I live like 10 or 15 minutes from Florence, Mississippi, so it got my attention, you know? And um, so I listened and I saw a girl named Erin that was on this segment and she was a neighbor that grew up next to Alice's house, the house in between, the house itself. And um, then they, and they were talking about Alice and this this house that, that all these crazy weird things were happening in, and I was fascinated. I, I totally forgot my laptop, and I'm like looking at the TV now. And so I reached out and I found Aaron on on social media. I found her on Facebook, and I said, "Man, I'd love to come out there and meet Alice and really experience that." So she set it up. You know, she set up a meeting with me, and I went down there, met Alice, and had an experience in the house within like, like ten minutes, maybe. Like oh something crazy was happening in there. So, so what experience did you have? Like so what? These, like these little light anomalies. I still had the video of it. Like the, in the back right bedroom, because Alice is showing me around the house, and in the back right bedroom, I, there was like these weird little little round light anomalies that were like scurrying on, on the rug. It was weird. I was like, what? The, I'm like, what? What is that? It was like yes. weird. I, I, I it was in. A, it wasn't like a peripheral vision thing either. I was able to get a fix on it, and even Alice were, were like looking at it. And she's just like, "Oh, well, it happens in here." I'm like, "What?" Nonchalant. <laughs> you, you know. So that that you know got me really hooked, and and that's how my journey began. Then um, this is well before documentaries and film. Um, people don't. Some people don't realize that we were researching this house for years before like any any idea of a film came you know came came to play um so we have a lot of years in there investigating john bullard especially I and mean, he's he's been i think it's 15th year now investigating that place and i'm going into my eighth year um so yeah that's in a nutshell that's how i got into it and then then before like the films came out and the house got famous um i, I started investigating other locations in mississippi and louisiana um, one in Tennessee, so kind of the South. I started like branching out, checking out other locations, and um, then of course uh, Steve Gonzalez arrived on scene. Uh, we we basically, you know, we did everything we could do as far as investigating the house for Alice, and we didn't really know what else we could do, so we reached out to Steve because Steve is a, a pioneer in the field. And um, he's one of the best investigators in the world. So we reached out to him and he actually responded, you know. Um, so we got lucky because Steve gets a million people want Steve to come investigate <laughs> yeah. their location. You know what I mean? So Steve was intrigued by 
basically what really intrigued Steve was by, by how many years we've been researching one location and all that documentation. Yeah. So this really, one of the things that separates this location is that the fact that it's one spot that's been, that, that's been investigated for so many years and video and audio, we had so much documentation and, and, and evidence captured. And Steve was like really intrigued by that because this basically was a over decade case study on one yeah. location. So that was, that was really the beginning of the film chapter of my life. Yeah, um, yeah in a nutshell, that's kind of how I got into the field. I mean, that's pretty neat. And like kind of similar to what I said to John was um, touching upon what you just said with the longevity of how long that case has gone on. When I initially saw the movie, like I was home just like the rest of the world with COVID, you know, and I saw it come up on Apple TV and I was like, oh, what is this? And me being mm -hmm. the paranormal horror junkie that I am, I like clicked on it. I watched the trailer and I am all about like if you put a skeptic in front of me, I'm going to do backflips to try and get this person to understand how real the paranormal is. So like to see a movie that is not just the oohs and ahs, it's not the jump scares, but it's the downright scientific, mm -hmm. you know, skepticism proving actual tangible evidence, you know, putting that out there for people to see like it's not a joke. It's not here to like scare you, but we're trying to physically show you this is a super intelligent haunting. Right. I mean, that's what for me as just a third party kind of just consumer watching this, I was like, it was not what I was expecting, but in a really pleasant way. Like I was like, this is so different and sets it so far apart from your normal, you know, horror or paranormal docuseries. Right. Cause it's so, you brought in so many different resources to, I guess the word I'm looking for is prove that there is intelligent hauntings and also show them with science, with like real hard facts that like, mm -hmm. this is not being faked. This is not, you know, this is months and years and hours right. and minutes of hard, hard work. So I thought that was really, really cool. Right. And that's, and that was the beauty of Steve Gonzalez and Kendall Welton. Um, we didn't want to just make a documentary film. I mean, we, we wanted to marry science and the paranormal field because they can coexist. Um, so a lot of scientists may not think so, but there are some scientists that are just not very vocal about it. Um, but yeah, we wanted we wanted to, you know, we're, we're not a jump scare film. And some of the, we got a lot of really good reviews, like over 6,000 on, on Prime for the first film. And the majority of them are good, you know, but there's a few that, that are like, oh, you know, I thought this was going to be like The Conjuring or The Exorcist or, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's a documentary film. And um, but but it was important to the team to to really show all sides. You know, some of our some of our best reviews were from skeptics. Yeah, they were very very appreciative of wow, finally it's a show that actually shows some science here, and and you brought in some people to, to take a look at. You know, maybe it's not a ghost. Maybe it's you know the house isn't level, or maybe it's we brought in an electrician. We brought in weather people and. Uh, of course, part two, we brought in a geophysicist or a legit scientist. I thought that well, was really, really cool. That was yeah, one of my favorite things. She's brilliant. 
I mean, she's so smart that I'm like cautious to have a conversation with her. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> hope I can keep up. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I have to tell her to dumb it, dumb it down a little bit for me so I can comprehend. <laughs> but she's such an awesome person, Catherine. But yeah, so you know, I think that's one of the things that really separates our two films. And there's a lot of good filmmakers and a lot of good films out there. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, that there's not great stuff out there also. But I really think one of the things that really separates us is the, the time and the years put in and all of, like you said, all the resources we brought into the, to this film to cover every angle. Um, I mean, if you remember, remember when Steve was on the stairs with a, with a you know, the air compressor, he tried to blow his baseball off the, off the uh, steps. You know, people were saying it was, they were like, oh, that could happen because of uneven stairs. And I'm like, well, the thing is, that's why you have to watch the movie because right. you guys literally left no stone unturned. Right. I lost your audio. I can barely hear you now. Oh, can you hear me now? A little bit better. Oh, I maybe feel like this. Headphones, maybe? I don't know. Is there? Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you, but it's a lot lower. I have to turn, let me turn up my side, maybe. You was, your audio was really good, and all of a sudden, boop, it kind of went away. Oh, no. I hope my mic isn't, like, giving out on me. I feel like weird stuff always happens to me when I'm on this podcast. Of course. <laughs> I'm a podcaster, so I, I totally get that. Oh, my gosh. It's like every time I start talking about something paranormal, or it's my lights, or it's my mic. There you are. Okay. You can hear me again? I can. I can. All right. Perfect. Yep. Um so yeah, so that I think that really is what separates us from a lot of the other films out there is is the until our films came out, I just myself as a fan of of watching TV, I've never seen any other documentaries that that really went hard like we did bringing in scientists and and looking at that aspect of it. And that's you know, Steve Steve's Steve runs a tight ship, you know, his reputation's as good as it is for a reason. Yeah, you know he doesn't just jump on. Oh, it's a ghost. Not with Steve. You know you really, you're really gonna have to really research that before he even comes close to saying something like that. So, which is good. That was part of the beauty of the film. Yeah, absolutely. And it touches again. It touches upon that like it's not a jump scare, and it's truly not leaving any stone unturned. It's just truly right. showing you like tangible evidence that's not faked. It's not over exaggerated. It just is what it is. Um, and so I guess my next question for you, and I just love, because so many people have, um, been a part of the team with these films, hearing everybody's different perspectives on it. So to you working on this case, what was the, I guess, what was kind of the golden goose egg for you? What was the, um, part of this haunt? Huh? The first one or the second film? The f uh, oh, that's tough. Okay, first and second. So I'm going to pose that for first and seconds because okay. I feel like everybody has a, um, you know, either whether it was an intelligent response that you had gotten or what kind of really right. blew your mind. So the first film, um, well, let me just preface that with this. Every time we needed this house to do something like really crazy, like when we had like a special guest come in, it freaking does. It does. It's like weird. It's almost like, is this is this is this house alive? I mean, what the hell is going on here? Like, can lightning? How many times can lightning strike a bottle and in, in a bottle? It's like, so really, the first film was for me when when um. If you saw the film, you remember the end of it, where Kendall, they're wrapping up, they're like, they're picking up the equipment to 
we finished filming the whole nine. I mean, and the, when the baseball came down the steps right in front of Kendall. And so let me just set that up for you because what a lot of people don't know is, is right before that happened, me and Steve were out in the driveway and we were heading towards a car because we were going to drive into Florence, the little town and go to see, to visit Miss Mary Alice. She, she does all the town history, history stuff and the archives. You never heard of the film? Yeah. Um, Mary Alice. Um, she's the one who said, um, do I believe in wood? The, the old, older <laughs> lady, remember her? She's, yeah. she's the best. She's fantastic. Like she just turned 97. Are you serious? Yeah, she just had her 97th birthday. She yeah, looks great for her age. She still drives her car. She drives to Vicksburg and goes to like her her friend's bingo. And she's just, she's just amazing. I'm telling you, age is but a number. If you keep that mind sharp and you keep active, good for her. But me and Steve were heading towards a car because we were going to go to to see Miss Mary Alice. And we were walking down the driveway and we just heard Kendall screaming and running out of the house. And he's like, yo, yo, yo. He's like jumping up and down. And we're like, what the hell? What? What's going on? (laughs) He just starts yelling the baseball, the baseball, the baseball. So we, we ran in there. And then if you watch the film, you see where me and Steve, when Steve comes running in, back in. And, um, so for that to happen, like while Kendall was still there right in front of Kendall and while Steve was on the property still, that was huge. Yeah. That was really, really a, a huge moment for us because that was major evidence that we were able to capture on film, you know, while the, while the, while the people are there, the filmmakers are there. So for that to happen right, right in front of the, one of the filmmakers was huge so that's that was my probably the biggest moment for me in part one was that was that part right there so unexpected and such a genuine reaction it's like you know well, that's, yeah and that was the beauty of it you know we have house cameras running that house 24 7 and we wired that house up some years ago because we got tired of coming in there to find the stuff like on the floor that doesn't belong there <laughs> we're like you know what we need to get some camera going in here man just let them run the yeah. only rooms the only rooms that don't have cameras is the bathrooms like every other makes sense of course you know we don't want to be in civil litigation or anything um um, so 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 we we got the house wired up and uh, we catch so much stuff happening in there when nobody's home things moving around it's just nuts oh my gosh you guys should do one of those uh I don't know, like, I think it's like National Geographic that does it. Like, you know, when like a bald eagle is like having a baby or something, they run that camera continuously so you can watch it. Yeah, I would sit there for hours and just lose yeah. track of time watching it. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Maybe we'll do that for like a Halloween special or something. That would right? be, um, I literally would, I would yeah. count me in, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. So the second film was, was the, the real golden egg for that film was when John Bullard um, he was doing his little exit interview, like like where, where they film us, you know, for the film. And and when he, I call it the Babe Ruth moment. Are you, are you, are you familiar with Babe Ruth, the home run? Yep. He, yep. You know, back in the 30s and 40s, whatever. So the home, the Babe Ruth moment was when he walked up the home plate and he took the baseball bat and he pointed towards left field, signifying, I'm going to hit this ball over that field. And, then, and he did it. The and he did it. Yeah. Did it. So the home, so, so I call it the Babe Ruth moment. Because John, during that interview, actually instinctively went off script and said, that carriage is going to come down them stairs. Because of that carriage that we had set up on the, on the top of the loft at the stairs. So creepy. And, and he went off script <laughs> and said that. And um, 
sure enough, the only reason why it didn't come all the way down the steps is because it hit a wire, a camera wire that we have that goes across the top of the step. And we have duct tape. It's taped so people don't trip over it. So that carriage propelled forward. It hit the wire and it stopped it from going crashing down the steps. That's the only reason why it didn't come all the way down the but steps. But what, what an amazing moment. Like It was incredible. It was insane. I think that's a very good golden golden goose egg moment. I think that that yeah. would send chills. Absolutely, and then then and then there's one more when when I, if you remember when when that happened. Well, go back to the first film. Go back to the first film because I forgot this one. When when the ball came down in front of Kendall, and then me and Steve ran in there, and then we ran into the back left bedroom. That's where all of our DVRs are set up, and um, so two things. First. Um, the camera that shoots up the stairs. When I got to the house that earlier that day, it was pointed away from the stairs, and we had a lot of people in there, production team and camera people and sound guys. Somebody hit the camera and it kind of flipped it off to the right. And I know my cameras; I know I know where they're supposed to be pointing, like every one of them. So when I came in there, I saw the camera was like aimlessly shooting up towards the ceiling or whatever. So I just instinctively grabbed it and just moved it back to where it's supposed to You're be. You're like, who touched my drum set? <laughs> you know? So so I just instinctively just kind of fixed it real quick and pointed it, you know, where it needed to be going again. I just went about my day. But if I wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have caught that ball coming down the steps on camera. Oh. I, I, because I fixed it. I, I, otherwise, we would have that, we would never had that angle. So when the ball did come down, and me and Steve ran back in the house. Kendall was freaking out. We went back to that back left bedroom. And if you remember, if you watch it again, you'll hear me tell Steve. Well, Steve will say, did we get it? Did we get it? And I say, yeah, we got it. I, 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 I re-aimed the camera. And you'll hear Steve say, what do you mean you re-aimed the camera? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So then I showed him my phone because I can, I can monitor the cameras from my phone. I said, look, that's a live shot. I, 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 we're going to catch it. We're going to have it. We're going to have it because I re-aimed it. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, what a save. Yeah. Yeah, it was insane. So that was cool. And then, and then, remember in that scene where we we heard that bang sound, and and we weren't. There sure was a couple of those, weren't there? Because I was he like, if I remember, out, it's been a little while. But he ran out and was like, "What is that banging sound?" And so we weren't at the time. We weren't sure, but we heard this big crash sound, like 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 a door slamming against something. And um, but our adrenaline was so high because the ball just came down the steps. We got it on film, so. Our adrenaline was really pumping. And um, so once we couldn't really figure out what happened with the door, it really bothered me. So I started like looking at footage, like 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 to try to figure out what that noise was. And again, the camera that shoots um across the the the, the living room was also disheveled. It was hit by somebody else, and it was like pointing up towards the chandelier light. Yeah. Which is not how I, that's not where I normally aim it. But just so happens, it was the perfect angle for me to, the brass ball that's underneath the chandelier. I, I saw movement in the reflection of it when I played back the video. And I was what, I'm like, what is that? So I looked harder and, it was, and we captured the door opening up. And that door that slammed what Steve heard. That's what it was. And I caught it in the, in the, in the reflection of the, of the chandelier. And I would have never caught it if the camera, somebody didn't knock the camera like to where it would point, it was pointing right at that light. 
I just so think that's like, so cool. Yeah, these are like really cool moments. So those are my my uh, my golden. The golden goose eggs. Golden goose egg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I love it. Honestly, those are actually some really really good moments. And I feel like I wish I could just like somehow get a copy of both movies into every single home around the world because like it is just something that so badly needs to be seen like I feel like whether you've ever been into the paranormal you know whether you're a total paranormal junkie like it is just so good like I feel like I could watch it a million and one times because it's just I feel like every moment in it just is such an aha like mind-blowing just I can't even find the words because I'm like, it's just yeah. that good. Like, I truly enjoyed yeah. it. Um, well, we appreciate that. And we, and we get that a lot. I mean, not not trying to like brag or nothing, but we do get a lot of really nice compliments and, and, and people were real so, they were like you. They were just really happy to see, you know, the, these films presented the, the way they were presented. Um, yeah, I mean, and in part two, you know, we brought in Dustin Parry. We brought in Elizabeth Saint. Um, I thought that was so and Sam Baltrusis I thought that was cool because I actually just had him on the podcast and I I just yeah yeah he was was really good in in, in part two I was it was was fun kind of picking his brain about that we were laughing about um I didn't know this but he was like you know they had me in like the isolation tent he's like and because we weren't really using any tools like no um communication tools like I wasn't allowed to use my dowsing rods or anything like that he's like I literally just used what was around me he's like so I was asking the animals you know to give me some sort of a sound to kind of give me confirmation or validation of what I was feeling and I was laughing and I said you're like the psychic snow white I'm like (laughs) I said you're using the deer in the back and the bird yeah yeah he's utilized all his resources yeah Yeah, that was was great He was really good. He 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 um he 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 spot he was pretty spot on with some things. I just I love the way that um it's not often I think is in the paranormal world, and this is true with really even any community, when you bring a lot of personalities together, you never know how that's gonna work. And because some people are alphas, some people are more laid back, some people are very rigid and on top Mm -hmm. of things. And sometimes that tends to butt heads. And I mean, I know I wasn't behind the scenes, but the way that everything presented on camera, the way that the energy just kind of flowed, the way that people worked as a team, Mm -hmm. it was a really, really great group of people. Um, You know, even the first one, but when you brought all those people to the second one, to have Mm -hmm. that many people involved and have that many hands in the pot to see it work so seamlessly and just work fantastically together to to achieve these results was just that for me was a real that for me was a golden goose egg because it's not often that you see that so I thought that was amazing yeah it's a great observation and 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 really the fact the fact of the matter is the chemistry was great you have to keep them not in mind though one of the things that helped that was even even if somebody's you know has a little bit of a different personality or whatever but the mission is to help alice yeah that's the whole mission the end of the day is to get alice comfortable enough to come back into her home um so everybody kept that first in front and that was that was the main goal so that was we had unity across the board just in that aspect alone 
you know, so that was the mission is, is to help Alice here. That's what everybody, that's why we're all here, you know, yeah. and, and that's, that's a big part of that. And the other thing is, I mean, literally like everybody was, it, it is good people. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is there anybody nicer than Dustin Parry in the field? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I want to meet him. He's like yeah. the kindest soul ever. You know, Steve's great. Kendall's great. Vera's great. Elizabeth Saint was just a absolute privilege to work with her. I mean, her ingenuity and the things she, she, she builds this equipment and stuff. I mean, she is just amazing. Of course, John Buller has been there for so many years and Alice and Amy I mean, our team and Sabrina. I mean, it was just everybody, you know, and we have kind of a family thing anyway. I mean, me and Alice and John and Amy, especially, um, yeah. you know, we, we were a pretty tight, tight group, you know, and we, we were very protective of Alice. I love that though, because I yeah. do think that like, especially I think when anytime there's a supernatural phenomenon going on, it can be really isolating, um, you know, because you have the believers, you have the skeptics. I don't really even really think that there is truly a middle ground. It's just very like you either believe or you don't. And that's just my own personal opinion, because that's what I've witnessed. And when you're in a situation like that and you have people are like, oh, you're crazy or, oh, you know, it's it's the air conditioning making that sound or, you know, it's just an unleveled house. And and you feel like you can't share your story and you can't get resources and help. That's super isolating, causes a lot of emotional turmoil. So to have all these beautiful people rallying mm -hmm. around you and and building you up and helping you to find a solution to this ongoing issue and having that support is got to be life changing oh. and then get a family yeah. out of it, you know, friends and family that last forever. That's I mean, what yeah. else could you ask for? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was just honored just to work with all the everybody who I mentioned. And again, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, it's like I I still have like surreal moments. Um, you know, I grew I, I mean I watched Ghost Hunters years ago. I mean, so many years ago, I used to watch the old Roto Rooter Van episodes back on Sci Fi Channel. <laughs> you know? I mean, way back, and Dustin was on. You know, Dustin was on there for a while, and Dustin went to to uh, Ghost Hunters International. They had that spinoff series, and of course, I've seen Elizabeth Saint on stuff, and and of course, Steve and. So like I'll have I still have surreal moments. I'll share one real quick with you. This is pretty. This is pretty funny. So in the first film, they were at my house, following me around, with cameras, and I, and I don't. I just never was comfortable with that. But but you got to do it. You know what I mean? So if you're filming a, a show, you got to do it. So we 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 filmed the episode. This, this episode I call it episode, the scene, or whatever you want to call it. And so we were finished, and and I had like the ghost hunters, sound guy in there, and Kendall was in there, and um. Paul was in there. He's one of the producers. And Steve's like, hey, where's, where's your restroom at? So I told him, I was like, it's the first door down the hallway. So he goes off. And so I'm sitting on my couch and and um, and that's when this, this surreal moment hit me. I'm sitting there and I'm like looking at these people in my house. I'm like, holy crap, man. I got the Ghost Hunters team like literally in my house. <laughs> and Steve Gonzalez is in my bathroom. And that's you need a t-shirt that says that Steve Gonzalez was you in know, my bathroom. Like, that's Steve's black Lexus out in my driveway. <laughs> and I have like the ghost hunters team in here, like wrapping up cords in my house. And like oh a couple of years ago, I could have never imagined like, like that situation, you know, it's just a really, really surreal moment. So.
Yeah. But it's clearly where you're meant to be. And I mean, like you, you are doing such a fantastic job. You know, um, you have, you're doing this, you're now working on two new projects, um, the Woodman and, um, yes. Um, I was like, there's a lot of names floating around. I'm like, I gotta go. Yeah. 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 Um, and also a podcast. I mean, so you're a busy guy and you're, and you're really doing a fabulous job. I can't say that enough. So, you know, I don't know if you want to kind of segue into that and tell us a little bit about that. You know, how do you balance all this? How did you get started? Yeah. Well, the podcast got started. I've been, I've been interviewing people for over 20 years. Um, now podcasts aren't really 20 years old. So I did, I'm old, I'm old enough to go back to where, I had a digital recorder and I had a, I found a, a boxing mixed martial arts website. Uh, it was called eightcountnews.com and, and we grew it to where we were making really good money with it. And I had 12 writers that worked for me. We were paying these writers. And that back then it was unheard of. You didn't have a lot of online news sources that were paying people in the, in the sports and boxing in, in the boxing MMA genre. And um, so we grew this website and we had, we had like the biggest names I mean, we had Mike Tyson, De La Hoya, like the biggest boxing names in the world were coming on our coming on our website doing interviews with us. And yeah. we, we got we got press credentials to all the big pay-per-view fights in Vegas, the Mayweather fights, Pacquiao fights. And I was good That's friends. So with cool. Freddie. Yeah, and I'm good friends with Freddie Roach, who was Pacquiao's trainer. So I used to fly out to Los Angeles and and I would get exclusive coverage to cover these training camps for these fights and so it was a really wild, great run. And we were making really good money. I had all the major uh, fight promoter companies were advertising on our website. They were paying us every month to put up their banners on our website and people. Now, was this, was this before or after you wrote your first book? This was, well, I wrote my book in 2005. Five, right? Yeah. Pretty, pretty coinciding. It all started around the same time. Um, So Maybe a little bit before I, I wrote the book a little bit before because I, I the book has the compilation of interviews I've done with with famous fighters and things like that. Okay. But anyway, so what happened was we ended up shutting the website down because social media happened. Once social media happened, we lost we lost all of our all of our advertisers because they were like, well, why should we pay websites when we can build our own following? Oh. With 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 social media, so that's what happened. All these big big boxing with uh, promotions like Top Rank and Golden Boy Promotions, and all they they started getting their own social media, building their own, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. So so we lost most of our our advertising, so we couldn't pay writers no more. So we lost. So me and the guy who founded it with me, we decided to shut it down, and that was how I got into podcasting. Because once we shut the we shut the website down. All the years that I had building that website, though, and all the relationships that I formed and all the celebrities that I've met, because I used to go to Los Angeles all the time and meet celebrities in the gym out there. And and all the don't forget, when you get paid, when you get credentials to cover a fight, you get media credentials right ringside. So who else sing, who else sits ringside? VIPs and high rollers, right? I so was going to say I the big, the big dogs. I <laughs> I started networking. I started meeting a lot of these people. So for me, when I when I when we shut the website down, I had this void. I'm like, I got to do something. What do I want to do? So I started doing the podcasting, and I already had a plethora of of connections to where I can get guests come in. And then, I mean, not the big big names yet, but big enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And then after years of doing that, my, that's how I built my 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 show to where it's at now. Uh, but that's how the podcast, that's how that whole journey started with podcasting. And I've listened to a couple episodes. I love the podcast and I love some of the people that you've had on. Um, I was listening to, uh, it was an artist that I wasn't familiar with, Voodoo, um, Voodoo Tales? No, Voodoo. I remember that one, but I, I have literally hundreds and hundreds. Of hundreds. I was going to say, you have a lot on there. So I was yeah. kind of like, so I was trying to listen to some of the ones that I was less familiar with because I like to learn about like new artists or new entertainers. Some of my, some of my funnest interviews, believe it or not, because I interview, I, I, I have a, I have a deal with Starlight Promotions and they're a marketing company and they have unsigned artists uh, that are trying to get to the next level, but they have, they have um, clients like, like hip hop artists, R&B, some rock, some country, mostly hip hop, R&B. And these, these artists will go to Starlight and they'll buy marketing packages. Oh, cool. So, and some of the packages they buy is Starlight will get them radio interviews and podcast interviews because they're, they're promoting songs and they're promoting EPs and albums and things like that. The clients are. So I work with Starlight. They send me some of their artists that bought packages that, that they want to get on a podcast show. So I'm one of the shows that Starlight uses. So I cool. get a lot of cool, you know, it's good money too. And that's another thing. You don't just make money right away. You really have to work yourself up to that. But so some of these artists that are sent to me, um, they're not nationally known yet. But some of those are so interesting. Just, yeah. just the stories and the, and the, and the um, a real quick one I'll share with you. I, I interviewed this hip hop artist out of uh, Cleveland, and he was he got caught in crossfire in a gang shooting, and he ended up getting he ended up being paralyzed. He got shot in the back and, and it severed part of his spine. Oh so my he, gosh! Doctor told him that, you know, look, man, we can get you fixed up, but you'll probably never walk again. So, um, long story short. Not only not only did he did he regain his ability to walk again, because he defied the odds that the doctors, he ended up walking into the hospital like two years later and finding that doctor and gave him a signed copy of his new his new CD, his new uh his new Yes, that's what I love to hear. You know? I love so to hear a victory a, story. It's a really cool story, you know what I mean? So these yeah. are stories that I that I learned from some of these artists that aren't signed to the, the big contracts yet. A lot of them have stories, you know, really interesting, interesting stories. And, uh, you know, and then it's fun. Also, I got I just got my um, 16th season with the voice TV show on NBC. Congrats. And, thank you. Been working with them for, I guess, like eight, eight years, something like that now. So that was that's fun. We're going to kick off that in August. You know, we'll get back on that again. That's a lot of fun. I'll be excited yeah. to hear that. It was fun because when I saw you announce that, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, how did you get some... mixed into that? So, um, so I have to go back here and think about that. So I, like I said, I've been podcasting for a long time and I, and I love, I'm a huge music fan. And so I got, I got, so I got a couple my, my, my first big break was I got a chance to interview the rock band sticks. They're very popular back yeah, in the 80s. Sticks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a, a lady named Amanda, she's, she does her, their PR work. And I sent her an email. I said, look, man, I'm, I, I got a podcast and, I, and you know, I'm trying to get this thing, you know, to the next level. And, and, I, and so I'll, she said, well, send me send me some links to some of your podcasts. So I did. And this is I want to I want to I want to share this with you for other podcasters out there listening. 
Yeah. So I, I sent her some links to the, to the ones that I that I enjoyed the most, you know. And this is why it's imperative. You might have saw my post on Facebook. If you want to get to the next level, it's crucial that while you're at the level you're at, that you conduct yourself with 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 integrity, professionalism, and of course, have fun. Have your you know have have your you know some fun, laugh it up some here and there. But you really, really have to keep in mind if you want to get to that next level, you want to start interviewing bigger names. Their most big name celebrities have people that will vet who it is that that wants to talk to their clients. So the manager of a celebrity, if I reach out and say, hey, I'd, I'd love to interview with Mario Lopez, for example, from Saved by the Bell, Slater, and um, he's a pretty famous guy. He's actually posed with me in the back cover of my book. It was actually um, one of my favorite shows. It's such a good uh, Saved by Slater? the Bell. Well, oh, yeah. The back, he, posed, he posed with me on the back cover of my book. Oh, okay. Me, me and Mario, yeah. So I know Mario pretty good. But anyway, but when I reached out to his guy to, to interview course they listened you know and, and like, yeah this guy's pretty professional but i wouldn't have been able to do that if i didn't get amanda to hook me up with sticks yeah so once you get one then you, you piggyback off of that you know but you really it's imperative that you have a, 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 a professional i've seen some podcasts i'm not going to name drop but i was just like ah, gag yeah i try and be conscientious because like me i I'm such a goofer. Like I love to like goof and I love to joke and, you know, like there's times where I'll cuss and like, I just like to keep it organic. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, uh, like I think of what you're saying. And so when you, I saw you post that the other day, I got my wheels turning and I was like, you know yeah. what? He's right. I'm like, I should probably like be more conscientious of like how I conduct myself on the podcast because yeah, I like to goof off. But you have to find a happy medium there. I don't, I'm not telling. I'm not. Set, I'm not telling people they have to be like a nun or a priest. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it's okay to drop a cuss here. I, I cuss on mine every so often. I'll drop an f bomb. You know, I'm not talking about that. That the organic part's fine. I'm talking about keep it coothy though, and don't and don't get into really disgusting. Some so I've seen some podcasts where it's just trash, just yeah. talking about all kinds of trashy stuff, and just just really it's like, come on, man. I mean, if that's what you want and you want to have only eight or nine viewers an episode, only fine. But yeah. if you want to really want to get to the next level, you got to think about, 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 you know, at least maintaining some level of professionalism. Yeah, absolutely. And that's great advice. That's really good advice. Cause I think that I do have a lot of listeners that are younger and are, you know, I've heard from people that have listened to my podcast and they've said, you know, how did you start this? And how did you get into this? And how did you get all these like guests right away and connect with these people? And it's like, you know, I had to approach people and show them that I was serious about making my dream a reality and letting them know that like, I had a purpose behind this and that, you know, this is a lot of things like podcasts are the thing right now. You know, I can't say that it'll be like that always, but right now, I mean, they're a really popular thing. People listen to them going to work on their lunch oh, yeah. break while they're working. And so a lot of people have a lot of stories to tell or things that they're passionate about. And so I feel like that's advice that they need to hear because nobody really knows how to start a podcast or where to even really like promoted or how to go about it. And mm -hmm. I feel like some people make those silly mistakes where they, they don't follow that level of professionalism. They try and get these bigger guests. And then when people listen, they're like, eh, maybe not. Yeah, you, have, you, have, you have to think about it. A lot of, a lot of 
you want to get celebrities on your show, most times celebrities are only going to do interviews if they're promoting something, a movie, you know, a new project, a book that they might have written. So they're not going to go on a show. Their PR people or their manager, they're going to make sure they don't put their client, which which is a celebrity, yeah. on a show that's that has a reputation of just trash and, and crap. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're going to vet that show and see if it's a fit. Yeah. Or they're going to put their client in a situation, you know. So anyway, it's kind of the the podcast journey anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I do have some more celebrity type stuff. I got the band Collective Soul coming back in, the rock band Collective Soul. Ooh. And Three Doors Down's coming back. So they're, they're another. Oh, my gosh. I love Three Doors Down. Yeah, yeah. I, Brad Arnold was on my show, I think, twice. Um, All I'm going to tell you, Brad, is if you ever get Stevie Nicks on and you don't have her give your old pal Morgan a shout out, I might drop dead because she is the love of my life. She is my idol, has been since I was a little girl. I adore her. She is the best. (laughs) I love Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac. I mean, that's that's my genre. That's my generation. Yeah, for sure. You know, I interviewed Lita Ford. She's a, a, a rock. She was really popular back in the 80s and 90s. Um, she was really doing her thing in, in heavy metal music, which was difficult for women back then. It was very difficult for women to be accepted into the heavy metal thing. I mean, it's just the way it, it was. It was a man's it, world it, back then. It really you know, was. And, and sadly, there's still issues with that um, in, in different genres where women just don't get a fair shake. Um, but I interviewed Lita Ford, and she did a, a really huge song with Ozzy Osbourne. They did it. They did it. They collabed in a song called uh, "If You Close." Close, close your eyes forever it was called it was a huge hit Sounds familiar. if you close your eyes forever where ozzy also mm-hmm. sings on it with her um, i'm gonna have to listen to that on my spotify yeah yeah so when i was interviewing lita ford um she told me that they wrote that song like in like an hour and a half wow which blew me away because the song's got like millions of sales i mean it was, it was a huge hit and to write it in such a short amount of time. Yeah, they, they, this right. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, I see uh, it right here. I'm like, I'm gonna have to listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was just telling me that it was just it just came together in like an hour or two. Um, and she, I was like, did you have any idea it would it would it would blow up the way it did? And she's like, well, I knew we had a good song, you know, but it it went huge. It sold like millions of records. You know, I'm gonna so. be I'm gonna be thinking of you tomorrow on my drive to work because I'm gonna be blaring that. I love me some Ozzy. I I don't think I've heard. Is it Alita or Lita? Lita Ford, L I T A. Okay, because I just looked it up and I'm like, wait, I don't remember if I had an A in front of it, but yeah, I'm gonna have to listen to that because I mean, she looks badass. She's got like the like that '80s hair. She's wearing oh, yeah, some sort yeah, of yeah. black get up. I'm she's like, still, oh, she's get still, it, girl. You know, she's she's still tours. Really? She's still out there rocking. Yeah, she's still playing. Her. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I've actually contemplated writing a book on my, on my podcast journey. I got a lot of really funny stories. Um, Evander Holyfield, who's a former four-time heavyweight champion of the world, one of the greatest boxers, one of the greatest heavyweight fighters of all time, and he's in the Hall of Fame. I had him on my podcast. Well, I've interviewed him many times over the years, but one time I had him on on podcasts and um. My recorder was rolling, you know, and he was driving, but we were doing the interview while he was driving. And like, as I'm asking him questions, he says, hey, hold on a second. I'm like, all right. So I'm like holding on. And then all of a sudden I hear him say, yeah, I want to get a number three with no pickles, a large fry, 
And I'm like, this guy's ordering McDonald's on my podcast, man. I <laughs> love like, that. Yeah. So there's like a lot of really cool stories like that I can I can share. I, I thought about writing a book about it. I would read it. So, I, I mean, I know I'm just kind of a little somebody, you know, out there in the universe, but I would read it. So you got one vote so far, so I would I do it. it. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> but so, I mean, to you, what is what fills your cup up? Like, what is your, whether it's a hobby, whether it's something that you're doing currently, whether it's the, you know, documentaries, movies, books, podcasts. I, mean, I, I got a, that's a pretty full cup right there. I mean, my cup's full. <laughs> What's I your favorite thing though? Smoke. Do you have like a favorite thing? Like one thing that like you just could see yourself doing forever? Well, I definitely, I definitely, I'm looking at retiring from my normal job in about five more years. Okay. And I definitely want to pursue podcasting because I do really enjoy that. Good. I really, do, I really enjoy it. Um, like I was telling you earlier, I, I'd like to talk, as you know, like, as you can tell, I love to talk, but I also <laughs> love to hear people's journeys and, and, and really tap into, uh, I like to get connections with people, you know, and, and, and just yeah. kind of feel their ride for a little while. One, one, one of the, one of my favorite things to do, it's not even an official interview, but one of the, one of the things, you want to try this too. You want to have a really good conversation with somebody. The next time you see a couple holding hands and they're like, and like, and they're in their eighties, somebody in their upper golden years and eighties or nineties and they're holding hands just look at him and smile and say, how long y'all two been together? I and do I, that all the time. <laughs> I promise you, you will get, both of them will just be, in most cases, will be so hungry to share like their little, their their chapter on this, on this earth. And some of the best stories I've heard. I mean, one time I did it on an elevator and we got up to the floor, the elevator opened up and we walked outside and we just parked it right there. And 30 minutes later, they're still telling me about their love and how they fell Aww. in love. You know, married for 65 years. You know what I mean? And, and I love it. My my grandparents raised me. And one of the things that I love is that generation is like my grandparents were not the PDA, like lovey dovey type. But man, when you caught a glimpse of them having a sweet moment, it's enough to bring tears to your eyes. You and go. I remember just, you know, we would often go to Cape May, uh, New Jersey, and my uncle lived there. And I remember we were taking a ferry. And like I said, my grandparents grew up in that age where there wasn't a lot of PDA, but they yeah. were standing at kind of like the bow of the boat there. And I looked over and they didn't think any of us were looking. The kids are running this way. And I kind of was just there in the nook and cranny. And I looked over and they were holding hands and my grandpa had like his one arm around her and just was, they were just like snuggling and they shared like a little smooch. And I was like, like just those little things. And I work in geriatrics. So I get to talk to a lot, a lot of people um, with just these amazing stories. So like when I say that I can a hundred percent agree with you, just getting to listen to different journeys, different experiences, because you think about the journey that you're on, right? I mean, it's a tunnel vision. You you know your life, you know what you've been through. But when you truly think about it, all the people that you pass on the street, everybody that you talk to, whether it's a cashier or a waitress or, you know, everybody has a story. And when you start to unfold that and you start to hear, you know, 
they, some people have nine kids and you're like, oh my gosh, like, how do you do it? Some Mm -hmm. people are on their fifth marriage and you're like, you know what? Like, all right, more power to you. Like you just get these crazy stories and it's just so rewarding. So I'm a hundred percent there with you. Well, one of the best ones I heard, I asked another older couple, they looked in their eighties. I didn't ask them, but they looked in their eighties and I asked them and I got a real curveball answer. I was like, how long y'all been together? And they said, a year and a half. I said, a year and a half? I'm like, what the heck, really? And the guy's like, yeah. He's like, pretty amazing. I'm like, well, what happened? He goes, well, both of our spouses passed away. And um, we were in in the old folks' home. That's how we said it, you know? And we were playing bingo. And I looked at her and she looked at me. And there was sparks, so it's never too old. It's never you're never too old, Sonny. That's what he said to me. Oh, never too old. I love this girl. So we did it. We got married. I'm like, wow, that's that's like crazy. It's um, but it was amazing. But isn't it a breath you know? of fresh air to amazing. know that like I feel like society puts age limits on so many things. Yeah, yeah, it does, and it's really sad. I mean, it, it does. I, I mean, just live your life. Live yeah. your life. Be a good person. Be kind to people. You know, everybody has a bad day. I mean, there's nobody exempt from that. But but you don't have to be ugly to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just be good to people. And some of the and also ask people also at that age. What's the, I always ask this one too? What's the key to lo- the longevity of marriage? Sometimes you get funny answers like this one guy. He he said, uh, uh, "Pick your battles wisely." You know. He said, even though you know she might be in the wrong, just take it on the chin, man. Just take one. <laughs> take the L. You know, take, you know what I mean? Exactly. Take the L. <laughs> so just, just like it'll pass the next day. You won't even be thinking about it. You know what I mean? So I guess yeah. it's another great question to ask is like, is that is that one? What's the key to longevity? You guess I love one. that. Yeah. I really do. And I love your zest for life. I think it's so important to to have to have many different perspectives. Cause I feel yeah. like we get trapped and caught up in that one perspective mindset and it's like look at everything with an open mind and life becomes 20 times more beautiful than it was before exactly always try to find a positive for example recently like the barbie movie is going crazy right now everybody's going oh yeah (laughs) i mean some people are "Uh, you know i don't want to care yeah that's me i'm like (laughs) which is which is totally fair i mean i'm not a big barbie fan either But, but people are eating some of the people are really enjoying it right so I was like, I got like four or five messages from moms. They were like, hey, can you, can you, because some people know I'm pretty good at Photoshop, whatever. So they're like, hey, can you put my kid in a Barbie box for me? Like on a photo. And I, and I got the idea. I was like, you know what? My time is precious, but you know, why don't we make this a, a win-win? I said, you yeah. know what? If you give me a $2 donation for it, you cash at me, I'll start doing these. And then all the money I made goes to my favorite dog rescue program hope for hope for pause you know so i made like almost a hundred dollars just doing these two dollar edits you know but, but i gonna, love that i'm sending it all the hope for pause but i don't I, I donate to them four or five times a year anyway but i was like this is a win-win because it gives kids the joy of seeing them in a barbie box yeah. and the money's going towards abused animals yeah you know? so always yeah. try to find a one, one of the things i always try to do is find a way you can positively impact the world around you. I've been in dark places in my life where somebody reached the ha- re- reached their hand out to me. By golly, I took it a few times because I was in a bad spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like to live my life 
you know, now that I'm in my upper fifties, I'm sixties, not too far down the road. Oh, don't and, lie, Brad. We all know you're 25. No, thank you. Man. I knew we were a good friend. <laughs> so, so I like to try to live my life to try to give back as much as I can because I've been given too. Yeah. You know, so it paid forward in my mind, but I always try to find a positive in situations and and try to and try to help people out. That's, and that's one of the things that you were asking me earlier. I that fills my cup also. Yeah. Being able to help people out and, and things like that. I think living life with purpose is something that everybody should try and do. So I agree with that a hundred percent. It's, I feel like, especially 2023, man, it's a, it's a rough world out there. And I think we need, we need a lot more sense of community, a lot more love and grace and forgiveness and acceptance. And I think that if you just live by those cardinal traits cardinal rules you really can't go wrong um and i say this all the time you know my friends will you know they're having a bad day or they're not getting along with somebody and i always say it's the easiest thing in the world to love but it seems like it's the hardest thing for people to nail down and it's the easiest thing it's honestly hard to hate somebody but people act like it's the easiest thing to do and it's like if you can just be nice, give a compliment, smile, you know, kind of like our parents told us when we were younger. If you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything. You know, if just smile and wave and just get along with your day, let it brush off your back. And I feel like if we just kind of learn to hate less, love more, the world would be a little bit better of a place. No, no question. What That's 100% correct. And I think one thing that I think all of us are guilty at at some level is knee-jerk reacting so just because somebody gets snappy at you one day it doesn't make them a miserable sov yeah might be a wonderful person that you just happen to catch who knows what kind of drama and and trauma they just might have came out of yeah you know you happen to catch them at a bad moment and they got a little snappy with you try to try to do your best to, to bite your tongue and say, you know what, this person, I might have caught them at their lowest moment in the last month. Who knows? You know what I mean? And try to control yourself. Because a lot of times, if you, if you go back and if you go into defense mode, you know, fire back. Now you've already escalated a situation, you know, when you could have de-escalated and just, you know, just maybe just nodded and just walked, walked, walked away or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, and I also believe we still have, I think there's still more kindness in this world than, than, than we think. Yeah, the media, the media we just don't get really, to see it. The media just engulfs us with negative news all the time. You don't see much feel-good stuff in the news, and then and and it's just like saturates. It saturates us with war, like the the Russian and Ukraine war, and and you know riots and and all these crimes and mass shootings. I mean, those are horrible things that happen in America and around the world, not just here. But if the media would would spend half as much time spotlighting beautiful people and what they're doing and how they're giving back to the world and and and, and selflessness because there's a lot of it out there it just doesn't get any play it, it doesn't, doesn't it, it doesn't you know and and i think the world would be a lot better if the media would just stop pounding all the negative crap at us all the time because there's gr- great people out there too Best saying I've ever heard is money is literally the root of all evil because the reason that media is still around is because of money. And I feel like it's a moneymaker and the more drama that they can push out, 
the higher the ratings, the higher the income. Absolutely. And it's sad because it's there. You are right. There, there is a lot more good people, good, you know, acts of kindness, humanitarians out there than what we currently see. Mm-hmm. And none of that, I can't remember ever watching the news and seeing, I don't even watch the news anymore because I'm like, there is nothing good. Well, what's also horrible about our news is depending on who owns that network mm-hmm. is the slant you're going to get. Yep. You know, if you happen to be a, a, a Democratic voter and you have a more progressive ideology, well, then Fox News is evil and mm-hmm. they, they, they do pump out a lot of propaganda. But the flip side is if, if you're a conservative, then you hate CNN and you hate MSNBC because both networks, because they're owned by like, like for example, like CNN and, and some of the progressive news is, is like George Soros funds a lot of that. But the Koch brothers are conservatives and they're right wingers. They they fund and pump a lot of money into your conservative radio and TV. So yeah. you get it's almost like two universes. If you look at one channel and then you flip over to the other one, you get completely different, you know, the same topic, but a completely different angle. Yeah. You know, one blaming the other one. If you if you the sky's blue on Fox News, well, CNN saying no, it ain't. The sky's really not blue. Yeah. But the other side is saying, well, yeah, it is, but they're just fighting over. It's all in spite of. It's That's what it is. Exactly. It's it's just the root. The root of the problem is it's just they're doing whatever they can to spite each other. It's like yeah. two siblings that are just. And it's the same in, thing with reconcilable. Right? It's the same thing with our government. You have you you have me and you. We're Americans. You know, we pay our bills. We try to do good for our families and friends or whatever. And it's like these elected officials on both sides of the aisle. There's nobody innocent here. Yeah, they're at each other's throats every day. Yeah. This country could be so amazing if there would be compromise. Like, like right now, they're trying to impeach Joe Biden. I mean, and then Trump's getting invited. And it's like they're fighting back and forth. They're not working for the American people. They're too busy trying to put each other in jail. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 that's what they're doing. It's like, it's like just we're here. petty. How about us? How about the American people? Like, actually pass laws and let's get legislation passed and let's do things that the American people need. Take They're care of crazy. our vets, take care of the homelessness problem, exactly. the drug the drug epidemics that's going lower, on. Like lower pharmacy costs and hospital costs. So you're not paying uh, you know, $200,000 for a cancer treatment. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. But they're fighting like they're, they're like they're like school children. Fighting. Petty. It's literally petty nonsense. I can't even watch it no more. It's like, look, both of you guys have bad issues. I feel like I want to get um have you ever seen that picture of those two toddlers that their mom shoved them in a t-shirt and they were like this is our get along shirt that's what I want to do I literally want to put a giant t-shirt on them and be like now sit down and figure it out because this is ridiculous (laughs) I mean at, at the end of the day in America there's about 340 million people here okay that's a huge population and and the government needs to understand that. Look, man, that's a lot of people. Just like we were talking about earlier, when you have a, that many people living in one place, you're going to have different walks of life. You're going to have yeah. different ideologies, political ideologies. You're going to have different religions, different cultures. You're not, everybody's not going to be kumbaya getting along. Okay. Yeah. But, but if we can get compromise going here, you know, and you have a little give and take. Because one side's not going to be able to just control the whole thing. Yeah. You're going to get the other half the country pushing back. You know, that's why we need more, more 
people that if you're going to govern, you need to come to the middle here a little bit. You can't you can't have one side or the other too extreme. It just won't work. Well, and kind of like going back to what we talked about earlier when we were talking about the chemistry between the team, right? On the house in between, you know, you said it's not even so much about the personalities. You said it was just a bunch of people working towards one good common goal. That everybody did agree with. Yes. And so I think that, yep, I think unity is the biggest superpower that we have is that you know like you said we may not always like each other we may not always see eye to eye we may not always agree but at the end of the day if we want what's best for one another and we just find unity and find a common goal that we can agree on there's no reason we can't make this work no it's not mm-hmm. you know and the thing is people need to be real about the like a, a lot of times you hear power unity in the in the, in the, in the paranormal world really a pipe dream because there's just too many people getting back to what we we're talking about before you're not going to get everybody in the paranormal to get along it's just like anything else if you have if you have 10 people in a room and then the other room you have 100 people the room that only has 10 people odds are going to get along a lot better than the room that has 100 people in it because there's just too many different personalities in the, in the room of 100 you got you got you got so many different alpha males you have you have you know, some narcissists in there, pepper in it, you know, somebody who's just arrogant. There's just, the math doesn't work. You, you, the odds of, of, of the math ain't mathing. <laughs> you know, well, I'm just saying though, but if you, let's, let's use this analogy. If you have a, if you go to the produce stand and you buy a bushel of, of 100 apples, and then I buy one of only 10 apples, who's going to have more rotten apples in their bushel? Good point. You follow what I'm saying? Because it's a math yeah. thing. You, you, you have a hundred apples in there. So the odds of you having more rotten ones than me, because I only have 10 in mine. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're more, saying. You know, and that's what I mean by parity. Yes, definitely we want parity. And, and, but it would be a lot easier to accomplish if you keep your circles rather doable. Yeah. Like our team, we had what, six people. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's more than doable. <laughs> and if you think about it, though, if you had some of these paranormal teams that have 25 and 20 members, those are usually the ones that have conflict because there's just so many, there's so many different personalities. You know, you're, you're bound to get somebody to start clashing and then the talking goes on and then people start drawing lines in the sand and you have little, little factions breaking off. <laughs> little <up>. alliances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah. That, that's all I'm saying with that. Power unity would be wonderful. It's great on paper. It's great yeah. in theory, you know, and it's great to try to achieve it, but it's probably not doable to try to do it with too many people. It's just, yeah, the re- the realism of that happening. That's, that's is, all I'm yeah. trying to say. Is yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I, like I said, I appreciate, I just think that even though we're two people out of how many in the world, all it takes is one And we can only hope that, you know, if we lead by example, we do the right thing, we do the good thing, that it'll catch on at some point. You know, that's all you can really ask for. You just got to. You tried it. Yep. You tried it. I don't knock anybody for trying it, man. I mean, do your thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. I see it. Absolutely. So, um, now, kind of going, because um, I know we can't delve too deep into it, but do you want to give, I don't know, can you give a synopsis about what the new projects are that you're working about? Like a general, like, 
what yes. so the Whitman is about. Tahoe Joe's directed by um, Dylan Brown. What's really cool about the Tahoe Joe film and soon to be films with plural is all of the cast are veterans. Oh, I love that. That's really that. cool. They're all veterans. The filmmaker himself is not a veteran, but he works for the U.S. Army and he works on oh. a base. So the one of the stars of Tahoe Joe is an Army Ranger, a, a legit badass. Oh my gosh, my you husband's know? a huge fan so of the go. Army Rangers. So I'm a veteran too, so I love being on this project just for that alone because it's, it's, it's veterans. I mean, it's, it's all veterans. You know? I love so, that. Basically, Tahoe Joe, the first one's on Tubi. You can watch it now. It's on Tubi. It's now, is it more of like an entertainment movie or is it a docu? Like, No, no, it's not a documentary. It's actors. Yep. Okay, it's cool. amazing because these, these veterans are doing a really good job. If you watch it on Tubi, you, they do a really good job. In a nutshell, it's basically about a missing person. And um, they, they it's in these um, Sierra Nevada mountains over there. And um they call Bigfoot Tahoe Joe out there, like for real. That's what they call okay. it. Like in Florida, they call it the swamp swamp monkey. Um, okay. And, and over in like Nepal, they call it Sasquatch. Okay. Um, America called it Bigfoot. So Bigfoot's all over the world, allegedly, and they have, depending on where you are in the world, it's it's just titled something differently. So it's kind of so, like the Mothman. Mothman has a million yeah. different names. Yeah. Okay. Great point. Cool. Yep. So this 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 they, this team of this ranger goes in and then they're trying to find this missing person, um, and and to um, see if this is a real thing. This 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 uh, Tahoe Joe, because um, that's where the person that's missing went in. He went in there looking to to, to research this, this Bigfoot sighting, and he turned up missing. So they send in this team to try to try to find him, and then things things start happening. So it's really good. So um, that film. It's going to start filming, I believe, in August for part two, the sequel. That's the part. That's the film that I'm involved with. I okay. wasn't involved with part one. Um, so the Woodman is is directed by uh, Joshua Bruckner, and this is a film about a scientist who's researching feral humans. Ooh. Are they real? Is it possible that there could be humans that are feral in the middle of the mountains? In in, in 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 like the West Virginia mountains, and so this scientist is 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 really interested in this in this in, the, in that and trying to research it. Um, so he does, and he's not really like the scientific world's not really that that happy about it. You know, it's just like when we were having trouble finding geologists to come into our film in the house in between. But once they found out it was for a paranormal show, they were like, eh, we're not, we don't want to, <laughs> you know, we don't want to, you know what I mean? It was like tarnish our career or whatever. Like shun, but, shun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so this, this, this uh, guy, this scientist ends up going on a mission to see if he can find these feral humans in these mountains. Um, it's, 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 it's really interesting. And two of the original girls that were in the scream, the first scream horror, yeah. Are, are also in this film they make they make a couple of appearances in the film oh okay so that's pretty cool too so yeah um so those are two projects that i that i've really had fun helping out with and you said there do we have release dates on those you said so no well they haven't even okay. started filming tahoe joe 2 yet that started filming in, in august so august you said sure okay exactly. that's right that's when it started filming uh the the woodman's currently being pitched for distribution 
Okay, so cool. That that should be released, you know, fairly soon. Hopefully around. So we'll just stand by for that. So to our yeah. listeners, you have the title, so keep your eyes out for these awesome films. Yep. And is there any other cool projects that you're working on? No, just just the, the podcast show. Um, you can catch me on iTunes and iHeartRadio and and Spotify, and then I have a little radcooney.com is this is where i post a lot of the graphics for the for the um guests the artists i'll put their pictures up there and their little bios and links to their social media um and i usually have three of those a week that i'll interview for, for starlight and then um i got some like i was telling you earlier i got some some of the bigger names that are coming back in one really cool thing before i wrap it up i am working on a podcast that if you're a space nerd like me astronomy nut I'm actually going to be interviewing the woman who actually drives the Perseverance rover that's on Mars right now. Really? That's so cool. Yeah, she is a PhD. She works for NASA. And she's the one that actually is giving the the direction, the course, and, you know, the course to take that the rover sends the signals to it. And then of course it takes like 13 minutes for the for the message to get there because the margins are so far away yeah so then it'll move you know based on what this my guess is going to you know tells it to what's really cool though is like when she's looking at she's looking at the rover cameras so she's the first human being in history to see this the new location where this where this rover is looking at no other that's really cool she's the first one in the history of the world to see parts of mars that no humans ever laid eyes on you know, so so that's in the works. She's agreed to do it. Um, NASA vets, getting back to what I was telling you, she said our screeners will we'll look at your stuff and we'll let you know. I've had five different NASA guys on my show, so I should be okay. But that's why it's important. Again, like I was telling you, because they, they you know, when you want something like that, they're gonna get, they're gonna look, they're gonna vet you. They're gonna that's really you really cool. I but can't I'm wait to hear what one. she says. Oh yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm like drooling to get her on the show. <laughs> She's brilliant. She's like brilliant. You know, so I want to get her history and her background. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure she was a little girl one day and she's from India. So she oh was probably gosh. a little girl one day looking at the skies. And, and now look, she's driving the rover that's on another planet. And she's the first person to literally lay eyes Ever on. Ever lay eyes on that part of Mars where it's driving. She's the first one to see it. I mean, I wow. mean, what's crazy, I mean, I mean probably there's, there's probably no life unless it's mic- like microscopic life on Mars. But if there was something, she would be the first human to see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? With her that's, eyes. That's what I was thinking. I was like, if she does come across, whether it's extraterrestrial, whether it's a new animal or whatever would exist on Mars, I mean, she's literally going to be the first, first person. That's so it. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Every time that thing makes a right-hand turn and goes behind a hill. She's the, You're like... human, she's the first <laughs> human being to ever see what was going to the side of that hill ever that's you know, that wow. is like but that's a hefty power to hold too like that is yeah. a lot of pressure it, it is but she's she was on she was also part of the uh i think the curiosity rover one of the last rovers that was up on mars she was she was a big part of that team also but now mm-hmm. she's like she's she's like the queen She's like got. She's the, the NASA queen bee. She's got the credentials <laughs> and the receipts. She's bringing it all, man. So I can't wait to talk to her. 
Yeah, I can't wait to listen to that. So everybody that's listening now, you know, uh, keep keep your ears open for new content coming to the Brad Cooney podcast. Um, I will link because I think I was listening to you on Spotify, but you okay. said you're pretty much everything. Apple, um, yeah, iHeartRadio, Radio, Spotify, um, SoundCloud, yeah, I think. I, I think I'm on SoundCloud. I just got to search my name, Brad Cooney, and it'll all come up. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put a couple of the links and then just the, the name for the, the Brad Cooney podcast. This way you guys can check it out. Um, but I mean, this has been amazing. We definitely have to do a part two because I still feel like we have a lot more to unwrap and talk about, yeah, um, especially with new projects and stuff coming out. So you know, well, you'll know, you know, we'll stay in touch. So we'll definitely stay in touch. I look and... forward to it. I had a lot of fun talking to you. You're, you're really good. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm happy. You're a very good interviewer. I really like, I like, I like how you, you space your questions out. Um, sometimes one of the mistakes of podcasts, I will do this and then we'll wrap it up. Some, mis- some mistakes that some interviewers will do is, is they'll ask a question and they'll, and they'll, start talking themselves too much yeah that you had a really good your yours was was good because you didn't suck all the oxygen out of the room you know you asked a question and, and you went on a little bit which was perfectly fine to do i do that too but then you gave the opportunity for your guests to get in there and really share their report i've seen some people just take up too much time and then at the end of the interview they're like well we're out of time I'm like, yeah, because you were talking so long. I'm like, well, I want to hear your story. I mean, there's definitely parts where we're relevant, but, you know, and where we can relate. But I definitely, I mean, my whole point of wanting you on this podcast is I want to hear your journey and I want to hear your experiences. You know, a lot of the people who listen to my podcast too probably know me. So I'm like, they already know they they know my my ins and outs, most of it. So they don't need to hear my gobbledygook, you know? You you did a great job, really. I I mean that when I say it. Oh, thank you. Well, like I said, you're, you're welcome here anytime. You know, I'm, I really try and pride myself on having the ghoul friend hour is a safe space. It's a space where, you know, I want people to be their true authentic selves and share their stories. So I'm just super happy to have you on and, and, you know, hopefully I can call you friend, friend now and we can keep in touch. Of course. Yeah. So I'm excited cool. to see see what new projects are unfolding for you. And uh, we'll be definitely keeping an ear out for new podcast episodes. Absolutely. And when we get a little closer to the to the next film projects being released, we'll, we'll, we'll come back on for sure. Yes. And I'm hoping soon. Um, I know I was talking to John a little bit about it. My goal is I'm going to get to Florence, Mississippi, because I want to do an investigation. Mm-hmm. This house has a chokehold on me and I am determined. <laughs> yeah, we can make it happen. It's just a matter of coordinating to do that. We just have to give us enough time because we have to coordinate schedules. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. a busy house. And so to bring in somebody to do what, what you want to do is doable for sure. But it's got to match Allison's schedule, my schedule, John's schedule. So it takes a little bit of coordinating, but we can we can make it happen, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll have to, you know, I'll be excited when that happens, because then we can get all of us maybe on the podcast and we can do a, a live episode from hopefully yeah. the house and, yeah. and and show people up close and personal that, you know, right. paranormal is live and well. Yeah. And do, you can maybe even set up your podcast right there. You know, yeah. You do it in the location. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Well, thank you so much for being on. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. And like I said, I can't wait to do a part two. Um, I've had, I really had a fun time talking to you today. So I can't wait. I did too. I had fun talking to you and just let me know. We'll, We'll do a part two for sure. Yes. All right. So now every time I finish up my podcast, I close it out with my favorite slogan because weirdos and like you said, weirdos, nerds, everybody alike is accepted here. So I always say until next time, let's get weird. So I'm going to pass it over to you and I want you to give me your best until next time. Let's get weird. All right. Until next time, let's get weird. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Have a good night, Brad. Thank okay, you. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Take care.